Hi, welcome to Queen of the Ring, the podcast that wants to talk to you all about wrestling. My name is Alexa. for wanting to see me naked. Yes! Thank you! Thank you very much! Puppies! Puppies, And last week, I wanted to have a live sex celebration with my love kitten, Lita. Listen, the time to play hard to get is over. Sex is an interesting part of the human existence and experience. I've been personally interested by it since I was in high school and since I think I ever took my first human sexuality class in community college. I knew I wanted to do something with it. And I always thought that everyone thought about sex, even the people who don't think about sex in a desiring way, they still kind of think about it in general. I ended up having a minor in human sexuality And I'm really interested in sex as a sociological tool. And when you bring it into professional wrestling, it is a really important piece of storytelling. I want to take you guys on a little bit of a weird ride. So I hope you'll stay with me and follow along as much as possible. Wrestling like the WWE has used sex in their storylines in hundreds of different variations. They've used it as titillation, as intimidation, as assault and power dynamic, as celebration, as blackmail, consensually, non-consensually, and always, always, always through a spectacle. Women's wrestling has been used as a funnel for commodifying women's sexuality since carny days. I feel like you can't convince me otherwise. Capitalism has attempted to put a stranglehold on feminine sexuality a billion times over with a billion tiny little alterations. We love to place women in different boxes of sexual appeal and do like a build-your-own-style with our added prejudices, racism, xenophobia, misogyny. It's like a disgusting, gross-ass, coagulating stew or something. This makes me think of this episode that I recently listened to of You're Wrong About, about the porn wars of the 70s and 80s. The guest, Nona Willis-Aronowitz, said that really resonated with me as I've been writing this episode. She said, quote, Society shapes desire, and sometimes we collaborate with our own oppression within our desires. And this quote really resonated especially when talking about women in professional wrestling. And in general, there have been a lot of studies been done about women athletes and how the more they are sexualized, the less they are looked at as legitimate, real athletes of the sport that they are in. And that can be very damaging to somebody and to society. And it's really hard to view all of this at the same time because... 
It's also sexy and glamorous and trashy and bad and gross at times. And I think that those are things people are attracted to. And so I beg you to try to allow the gray in this conversation, the nuance that both exist when it comes to sexuality in wrestling. On this journey through sex and wrestling, I want to start with a cultural touchstone in the United States. It basically has established what is sexy for the last over half a century. Playboy. Ladies and gentlemen, presenting to you the sexiest woman ever to grace the pages of Playboy, Sable! You know, I like to talk to the man in charge, you know, the boss man, the buddy man, Hefner. Okay, I want to talk to him. That will be featured in next month's Playboy magazine on the cover of Playboy. I would not be here or have the opportunity to pose for Playboy. But I'm the hottest cover girl to ever pose for Playboy. And I would like to say a special thanks to me, myself, and I because I worked my ass off to get here and I'm going to show it in Playboy magazine. Yes! Playboy has told people all over the world, but specifically Americans, what is sexy for so long. The WWE and Playboy have a very special relationship, but... Hugh Hefner's business found its way into wrestling much before his relationship with Vince McMahon started. In 1972, in the Sacramento area of California, there was a local wrestling show called Big Time Wrestling. Mickey Garcia was a Miss Sacramento at the time, and she got a job at at the show as quote-unquote Miss Wrestling herself. She would hold up cards, come out in between bouts, and just overall be sexy. This same year, Hugh Hefner was watching Big Time Wrestling at his house, and when he saw Mickey, he was enthralled, and he reached out to her to be Miss January 1973 for Playboy magazine. She ended up being only the second woman in the magazine's history to appear fully nude. And with this... Wrestling and Playboy began their romance. In December of 1989 edition of Playboy, some of the women in the televised kind of satirical wrestling show Glow, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, appeared in a multi-page shoot. And at this time, when things at World Wrestling Entertainment were sanitized and Miss Elizabeth reigned as the first lady of wrestling... Vince McMahon would say, quote, he didn't think that Playboy and WWE went hand in hand. (laughs) But something one cannot ignore is that Vince McMahon and Hugh Hefner have a very similar vibe about them. Maybe it's just that they're both fellow incredibly rich white men who use other people's bodies as capital. I don't know. You tell me. But whatever Vince wanted to say in the early 90s, he's insane because we all know that WWE and Playboy go quite well together. (laughs) They would change their tune pretty quickly after saying this because in 1999, the WWE's Sable, who was a valet and not really a wrestler, was on the cover of Playboy magazine, and it was the highest sales that they had ever received in their whole run as a company, which is pretty insane. 
But that was until China was on the cover the next year of 2000, and I mean, I own that one. So many different women that were in the WWE also posed for Playboy, either before, during, or after their runs. Like Tori Wilson, Medusa, Sable, Maria Kanellis, Candice Michelle, Christy Hemi, China, Ashley Massaro, Maurice, and I would imagine I'm missing some. And so many of those women are blonde white women, and I just find that to be an interesting racist element to who would be getting covers on Playboy at this time. But I think that it could maybe even be argued that WWE's ties with Playboy spurred on and catalyzed what actually became the Divas division. The WWE says that Sunny or Sable was one of their first Divas, and Sable had a, was the first person in the WWE to have something with Playboy. And they say that the Divas division spurred on after that. And it almost seemed that during the Divas division, more women wrestlers were getting chances with Playboy than chances in the ring. But the WWE kind of cut its ties with Playboy when they went back to their PG ways. And they seem to do that every 10 years or so, kind of following the cycle and following the trends. To take this a little bit further, outside of Playboy, the relationship between wrestling and pornography is very interesting to me and kind of present. So many wrestlers either turned to pornography or were in the industry pre-wrestling. And I mean, it makes sense. They have nice bodies, names, and faces that people like at least recognize. And there's something interesting about professional wrestling and pornography because people say like professional wrestling makes kids more violent. And around the same time, people would be saying that modern day pornography would make kids more like sexually obsessed or like perverse somehow. And these panics happened kind of at the same time and morphed together at times I feel like. And I don't know, I don't have that much else to say, but I feel like an episode about sex, I have to include that, it's true. There's been many men that have also been sexualized, commodified, and taken advantage of, of course, by the WWE. But in some of those situations, it cannot be ignored that the positions of power were more equated between men in this industry. The first man I think of when I think about sexy WWE wrestlers is Shawn Michaels, HBK. But his whole character for a time was centered around the fact that he was sexy. And he wasn't the only one who had a character based on their sex appeal. Some more men like Val Venus, who had a porn star character, Or Mark Henry, who was known as a super sexy character for a while, with really sexy music. When it gets to storylines that involved sex or something to do with sex, I think that it's probably in the hundreds. It would be very hard to name all of them, and I must note that All of these vary along silly, to gross, to actually sexy, to exploitative and disgusting. 
And I kind of want to name just a few random ones. Some I've already mentioned on the show, like Jacqueline and Terry Reynolds as PMS using the wrestler Meat for Sex, Edge and Lita live sex and their whole storyline in general, every bra and panties match, any bikini contest, Luna and Goldust's dominatrix vibes and Goldust in general. Then there's some that I haven't really talked about, like the proposal of Billy Gunn and Chuck. Like Vince McMahon forcing Trish Stratus to strip to save her job. Kane electrocuting Shane McMahon's balls. Kurt Angle sexually harassing Charmel, Booker T's wife. Mandy Rose seducing Jimmy Uso. Trish Stratus, quote-unquote, having sex with Vince McMahon in his limo. And actually, Vince McMahon repeatedly either writing or at least approving of storylines that include him and Tristratus making out or doing a myriad of other sexual things, like literally 10 times, I feel like, maybe more. All of the strip teases, all of the flashing, all of the kissing, and so, 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 so many wardrobe malfunctions, one most famously with Jacqueline Moore. And we all know why sex has been used in this so many times over. It's the same reason that sex is involved in almost every story that we tell. Because it's a nice titillating thing that catches our attention and our energy. Makes us want to watch and it makes us want to tune back in next week. But outside of just storylines and people that included sexual acts or characters... Professional wrestling is very unique as it serves as a sexual awakening for many people. It seems many queer people have found their sexuality in wrestling. Because there is such a pervasive heteronormity within society, queer people's stories have been injected like Trojan horse style into many a straight scenario. It's like queer masquerading. When things aren't for you, you find your way into the things you like and your place within it. There is a really incredible Vice article discussing this, and the journalist Naveen Nanorha explains in his article that growing up in India, his family would watch wrestling weekly, and it was a way he could really bond with them. But as he got older, wrestling kind of served a new type of role in his life— because he speaks about finding his sexuality within watching wrestling. He says, quote, Despite its many toxic issues, WWE was the first time my little queer brain saw semi-naked buff men on the TV, and I knew I'd do anything to see them up close. Wrestling as a sport has always had a certain level of homoeroticism attached to it. And I agree completely Watching people of the same sex grab at each other, pull at each other, and rip off their clothes if they're really wearing even that much to begin with, it's very sexy. And to continue into the queerness aspect of this, the drag queen Diabetti on RuPaul's Drag Race a couple of seasons ago, on a challenge, They were discussing sexual awakenings, and she decided to discuss how she found her sexuality in the WWE. She said that seeing these men, seeing this performance, seeing all of this was so provocative, and it was so attractive as a young kid, and she said seeing all of this made her realize just how gay she was. 
And when she's discussing it with the judges, longtime RuPaul judge Michelle Visage said to Diabetti, wrestlers are drag queens, giving examples of the sequent shining Ric Flair in all of his performance. Discovering your sexuality is a really odd thing in this relatively puritanical country. We place a lot of importance on finding romantic love, but we bypass the sexuality aspect, and we obviously look at it incredibly different when it comes to gender. But because of all of this suppressing and ignoring, many of the more recent generations look to television, music, movies to find our sexualities but I guess I can only talk for the most recent ones. But I know that wrestling helped me find my sexuality as, as maybe a seven-year-old or eight-year-old. I remember seeing Sable and Tori Wilson make out, and I wrote about it in my diary. It was an important thing for me to see, and it made me realize things about myself that I still very much know now. <laughs> but... Sex has remained an element in human lives for so long, obviously. But more like sex as a storytelling device is what I'm trying to say. It's almost eternal. It's mythologically, metaphorically, and in prose throughout all of time. Sex uses itself to show us what our desires are, to show us what we're disgusted by, and I think it's an incredibly helpful tool to find ourselves. And that doesn't mean that you have to be sexually interested or romantically interested in other people. It's finding out how you feel. And it's finding out parts of yourself that are deeper. Because we're all very different. But we all seem to look to similar things to find ourselves. And wrestling is one of those. I know this has been a little bit of a silly episode, a little bit off, but that's about it. I just really wanted to talk about the implications of gender and sex and professional wrestling and what that all means, what it could mean, and I'd love to continue talking about this in future episodes, hopefully. But anyway, thank you so much for listening if you've made it this far. Queen of the Ring was written by me. Alexa Pruitt, and the music is by Kreider Dane at Helter Skelter Music Productions. If you like what you hear, join us again, and thank you so much. for a long time. I want you to be my partner for life. Yes! Yes! Yes!